Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ALN Academy podcast. This is Angelica. Today, we are launching a series of trainings on PPP and infrastructure. The ALN Kenya and Darwalankana Projects and Infrastructure Department has prepared a series of virtual trainings on public-private partnerships and project finance. This series will explore, at an intermediary level, various project contracts and their interface. Through this training, participants will gain a deeper understanding of drafting and negotiating various contracts typically used in large-scale project finance transactions, common forms of government support and credit enhancement, key principles of risk allocation, and the main land and tax considerations to keep in mind when structuring projects. Today, in part one, Amin Musa, partner at ALN Kenya and head of practice, will provide an introduction into the foundational principles of PPPs and project financing and to the integral role of contracts to the structuring of PPP projects. I am pleased to introduce to you Amin Musa. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my name is Amin Musa and I head our projects and infrastructure practice at Anjawala and Kana. The purpose of this session today is to discuss uh, public-private partnerships, uh, especially given the increasing importance we are seeing being placed by many governments, including the Kenyan government on financing infrastructure through public-private uh, partnerships. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to join uh, this discussion. Uh, and I hope we can add value to the conversation around how we structure public-private partnerships and what possible value can be derived from structuring transactions of this nature. So to start with, what is a public-private partnership? In essence, this is a transaction where government and private parties get to the, together, pursuant to which the government allows the private party to develop a public asset or to be able to provide what is essentially a public service. And typically this is structured through a long-term concession or project agreement, uh, which then allows the private party to earn a return and allows the government to pass on certain risks that it would normally take and pass on those risks to the private party. That in essence is, a, is what we call a public-private partnership. Therefore, the key elements of a PPP structure will involve a long-term contract with government, typically 20 to 30 years, depending on 
commercial issues and also depending on the law. The law may have restrictions on the term of what a project agreement or a concession arrangement can have. And so it's important to factor in both the commercial considerations and the legal and regulatory considerations when looking at the term of the contract. As I said earlier, the purpose of PPPs is for private parties to undertake what are typically public uh, services or to provide public assets. These will typically be in the energy sector, in the transport sector, uh, but increasingly we are seeing what I would call PPPs being structured in non-traditional sectors like government housing, uh, waste management, uh, healthcare and education. And therefore, uh, as both private parties and governments are getting more innovative on how they structure PPPs, uh, we are increasingly finding PPPs not only dealing with the traditional sectors like energy and transport, but moving away to some of these more unique, non-traditional sectors. The fundamental issue around PPPs, as I said earlier, is risk allocation. And how risk is allocated between the various parties involved in the various contractual ar arrangements is fundamental to putting together a well-structured PPP. The other key element of a PPP is ultimately, how does this private party who is essentially providing a public asset or a public service, how does he make a return? How does he get paid? Is he getting paid by government? Is he getting paid? Is he getting paid by an end user? And so it's fundamental to understand that. So the starting point, having understood the basics of what a PPP is, is to understand who are the potential counterparties to a public-private partnership? Typically, you will start off with a project sponsor who represents the equity of the project that either as a response to a government request for a proposal to develop a certain infrastructure or through a privately initiated proposal a group of sponsors who want to develop a project will get together to respond to a government request for proposal or to put forward their own proposal to government about undertaking a PPP project. Typically, these sponsors will set up what we call a special purpose vehicle that will constitute the project company. And the project company will be the legal entity that ultimately undertakes the project. There will typically be 
local law restrictions on where this project company can be incorporated. It is not unusual for local laws to require that the project must be incorporated in the country in which the project is being undertaken. In addition to that, the other key party to a PPP is the government. Uh, and that can take many forms. It could be a sovereign gov uh, the sovereign government, the national government, by that I mean. It could be regional governments. So for example, in Kenya, we are starting to see counties developing PPPs. And in fact, our regulatory framework in relation to the PPP laws are being amended to cater for the possibility of counties undertaking PPPs. PPPs can be undertaken by state corporations like Kenya Power or other entities incorporated by statute like Kenya Kura for road projects. So in addition to the fundamental private party and the government, you have a host of other parties that are fundamental to structuring a PPP. You need lenders to provide debt financing to the project. You need a contractor to build the infrastructure asset. You need an operator to operate and maintain the asset after it is built. And you have a host of other parties like hedge providers, insurers, that overall form what I call this ecosystem of relevant fundamental parties to a PPP project. I guess the key question to ask ourselves as part of this introduction to PPPs is why is this currently the rage, not just in Kenya, but in many countries in sub-Saharan Africa, but also in many emerging economies around the world in Asia and Latin America. As you may all know, traditionally, infrastructure projects were built and financed by the government. That is typically the traditional procurement method of procuring infrastructure projects. So if you look at it from a Kenyan perspective, all the roads that have been built and are operating today have been built through that traditional procurement structure. Our standard gauge rail in Kenya, in Tanzania, in Ethiopia has been built through that process. This is a process where the government effectively looks for a contractor to build a project. The government then pays the contractor for the project. The government might either pay this contractor through funds set aside under a budget, or they can in turn take out loans from other commercial banks. They can issue infrastructure bonds, they can borrow from multilaterals like African Development Bank, the World Bank, to be able to pay for the asset. 
The issue we are having with many countries, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, is this procurement structure essentially means that if the government doesn't have the cash available to pay for it through an allocated budgetary process, and if they have to borrow this money, this debt goes straight onto the national balance sheet of the country. And as a result of that, it prevents government from undertaking other development activities, whether it is in health, whether it is in education or other sectors. And so one of the primary objectives of government looking into PPP projects is to say, how can I find another party who can not only build the project, but they can finance that project on their own balance sheet. And so that the cost and the debt of building this infrastructure does not sit on the balance sheet of government. Typically, that is the primary objective of government in considering PPPs. The second objective for government is the value for money proposition. In an ordinary world, if the government was extremely efficient in being able to construct projects, uh, one could argue that it would make sense for governments to continue to use the traditional procurement structure to build projects because frankly, the cost of financing <clears throat> from the government sector is a lot cheaper than the cost of financing from the private sector. However, I think many of us have seen projects that have been undertaken directly by government that have had significant cost overruns, that have seen significant delays. And so another government objective in considering PPPs is whether the private sector will be more efficient in building the infrastructure from a cost and time perspective. And frankly, if they are not efficient, that risk sits with the private sector. And that is another key third objective of government is how much more risk that we normally take as government in building infrastructure, how much of that risk can we pass on to the private sector? And typically construction risk, especially where governments are not being efficient in building infrastructure themselves, how can they pass on that risk and that debt to the private sector? And these are some of the key objectives that government have in deciding whether they use traditional public procurement versus the relatively new public-private partnership structure. <clears throat> there are a number of different models that are available in structuring PPPs. We won't go into too much detail uh, on these because frankly, the types of structures 
can vary considerably. But in summary, many of you may have come across terms like concessions, uh, acronyms like BOT. Uh, and so what do these mean? A concession arrangement is effectively a contractual arrangement between government and the private party where the private party is given a license, a contractual license to develop, operate, and maintain a infrastructure project. But you can have many variations to this and the various acronyms like BOT or BOO goes to give you an understanding of what the structure is in relation to the PPP project. So what we call a boot project is will involve the build, the owning, the operation by a private party and potentially later the transfer, which is the T in the boot, the transfer of the asset back to government. But you have many varieties of the structures and you could have a BOO, which is a build, own, operate, that doesn't have the transfer element back to government. In addition to that, there could be projects where you are developing or rehabilitating existing assets. Uh, in other words, these are not what we call greenfield projects where nothing exists on day one and a project has to be built from scratch. <clears throat> but a rehabilitation project could involve, for example, an existing port, but that requires significant upgrade and therefore pursuant to a rehabilitation concession that is granted by government, a party takes over existing assets, rehabilitates them, and then owns and operates them. And therefore, there are very many varieties uh, uh, of this basic structure, uh, depending on the nature of the infrastructure and what the government objectives are. Thank you for listening to us. In our next episode, Amin Musa will take us through the importance of proper risk allocation to the success of PPP projects. Please remember to subscribe to our ALN Academy podcast to be notified when we upload more content. Visit us at our ALN Academy YouTube channel and don't miss our next episode. Bye.